Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible, a pad of paper, and a pen. Let's dive in. It is so good to be with you, church family. Thank you for like the one person that is here with me. <laughs> uh, man, if you're a guest, my name is Brandon. Um, our uh, I was getting ready to say community and next steps pastor, because that's what my title was for a really long time, but my role has changed. I'm the lead pastor of campuses. So it was just interesting. I went into an old groove in my brain there for a half a second. Uh, It's good to be with you. So if you are a guest, sorry for the confusion, probably means nothing to you. Uh, But we are in a a relationship series called ER, Emotionally Healthy and Holy Relationships. And man, I've heard a lot of feedback from you guys uh, from this series. How many people, like this has been a good series for you, are challenged by it? Yeah. I, I, I've been challenged by it personally as well. So I, I just, I've really appreciated uh, like what Pastor Ryan has brought. And it's just such an honor and a blessing to, to be able to continue that teaching series. So today's message is titled, How Do We Pursue God Together? And so there's a couple of passages there. That'll kind of be like the home base, but I'm gonna share some other scriptures with you as well. But what does this look like? Like, how do we pursue God together? Like, in all relationships, like your boss, your coworkers, spouse, kids, nieces, nephews, teammates, neighbors, that person we don't really like that says stuff we don't agree with and also smells funny. Like, how do we pursue God together Like in all relationships, including the challenging ones, like what does that look like? And I'm probably going to spend more time talking about should we pursue God together? I will get to the how, I promise that that'll come. I'll give you very, if you're a black and white thinker, like I'll give you some very practical ways that you can do that. But I think, I think deep down, all of us in this space, all the friends and family that are online, I think we all desire, like we all want emotionally healthy and holy marriages, friendships, and families. I don't think there's a single person who got up here today and said, man, I wonder how my relationships can be dysfunctional and chaotic. I, I don't... And, Maybe you do, but for me, like I never wake up thinking, I wonder how I can cause an argument with my wife. Now I've literally had to say that to her in the midst of an argument. I promise you I didn't get up to upset you. Maybe that hit home for you. (laughs) Like I don't think any of us get up that we want to have dysfunctional relationships, but I think maybe, perhaps, Maybe I'm going out on a really thin limb here, but maybe a lot of us are in dysfunctional relationships or they're chaotic. Or maybe that's just all we've ever known. We don't know what it's like to be in healthy relationships. But the question is, will we pursue God together? Now, before we we get into the together, I think it starts with us first and just our vertical relationship with God, the creator of all things. Because I think out of this relationship that we have with God, that will then overflow to all of the other relationships that we have. In fact, one of the greatest sermons ever preached, uh, it's not me, by the way, in case you were wondering. Thanks, I appreciate that. 
Jesus, uh, famously known as the Sermon on the Mount, uh, is famously said that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, in the context of this, he, he, he's talking about different areas of our life, and then he talks about anxiety. And maybe some of you, just the idea of pursuing God with other people is bringing you anxiety. And I think what Jesus' point was in the context of this passage is, hey, above all these other things that are around us, we need to seek him first in his righteousness. So just Bible nerd for me, with me for just a second, we're gonna double click on this word seek. And in the original language, what it means is, is to investigate, to desire, to ask for. So what does it look like for us to, to investigate, desire, and ask for? And the question is, do you desire to seek God and to look for him on a daily basis, maybe an hourly basis? This one's challenging. Are we aware of God in our conscious every moment of the day? Even in the midst of challenging conversations that we have in our workplace, when we're washing the dishes or doing laundry, whatever that is, are we even conscious of God even in those moments? And then Jesus, uh, he was challenged all the time by the uh, religious elite. And they said, hey, Jesus, uh, you know, out of all the law, what's the, what's the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus responds, not the way that they expected. But he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. Jesus is saying, you need to love God with your whole being, every aspect of it. And then he took it a step farther. He says, love your neighbor the same way. And that's... <laughs> Let's be honest, like that's challenging. Like I can probably get the whole idea of loving God with my whole being, I'm still working on that, but you don't know so-and-so that's in my life. You know, I love uh, these zones that Pastor Ryan shared with us earlier in this teaching series. You know, I think when we go into this idea of pursuing God with other people, maybe it was really cool and it was exciting and then it was full of problems. And then we quit. And then we go back to the A zone. I mean, hey, the church, they just keep pounding the snot out of, go get in a life group, go get in a D group, come to this men's event, come to this women's event. And then you go there and it's like, this sucks. Like these people are weird. Like I was going in there all excited and like, man, this person just goes off the rails and then we just want to quit and we go back to the A zone where I don't know if some of us stick through it, have perseverance and we, we don't even know what the full payoff is. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about with these zones, I can't encourage you enough to slow down, carve out some time, uh, go to YouTube or webpage and go check out this teaching where Pastor Ryan did a wonderful job in just unpacking this idea of um, the quit cycle. And I think this idea of the quit cycle, I, fall, I think it falls in line with the conversation that we're having today about what does it look like for us to pursue God together. So instead of the how, I'm gonna focus on the should, then I'll get to the how. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So let's look at our first example from Acts chapter two, starting at verse 42. And it says, 
they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So these, these were people who responded to the gospel message from the apostles. The apostles were firsthand eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection, his teachings, and his healings. And they devoted themselves to these eyewitness teachings, but also to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now the believers were together and held all things in common. I love that, it's beautiful. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all and any had need. Now that one's a little tougher to read. Like that just seems like a foreign concept to me. Like what, what if we actually did that? Like there wasn't a person in need within our local body. That's a whole separate message there. But Luke, he continues uh, here in Acts. He says every day, not just Sundays or on Wednesdays, he said every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, including the ones that say the weird things and smell funny. Every day the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I was in a a Zoom call this week, and I was challenged by this statement that one of the people said, Uh, in the Zoom call, they said, the table should be primary and the church service should be secondary. Now, they weren't trying to like take away from what we're doing right now. They believe that this is important. We see this model. They, They came and gathered together in the temple. But I think that the point that this person was trying to make is, uh, we can pursue God at our dining room tables. Uh, we, we can do that at Culver's sort of thing. Like we can pursue God together around a table. And I would argue there's probably gonna be a lot more depth that will happen from there than what will happen here. Now I know you have dynamic speakers that are on stage all the time. I get that. And I say that out of humility. But even if I was a dynamic speaker, I think the conversations that you're gonna have at your dining room table, that's where the transformation's gonna happen. You interacting with other people, pursuing God together. Now, one of, one of my life verses, Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 24, it says, let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. Let's pause for a moment and consider this verse. What would it look like for us to slow down and the, and the people that we're wanting to do life with, what would it look like for us to consider their personality, their temperament, uh, a primal question that burns deep with inside of them? What would it look like for us to not just kind of go into the conversation, but for us to slow down, to consider how this person is wired, what, what is in their DNA, And out of that, to provoke love and good works. Let's nerd out on for this a second. This word provoke in the original language, it means rousing to activity, stirring up, provoking. This motivation for love and good works. So let's not just get together to get together. Let's actually slow down for a second and consider this person 
what their wiring is, who they are, hurts, hangups, all of it. And then how do we provoke? How do we stir up this activity inside of them? But the writer wasn't done. They continued. They said, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. I think in our Americanized Western culture, it, it, like it's all about me. It's the individual. We don't think about the community that surrounds us. We don't think that our actions and the things that we do affect other people, but they do. And in the model that we see within scripture, especially in the book of Acts in the early church, don't get me wrong, they were full of their problems and issues as well. But there was this unity, there was this commitment to pursue God together. They were one anothering. In fact, scripture is full of one another's. Here's just a handful. Serve one another, honor one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, instruct another, forgive one another. Oh, how'd that one get in there? Love one another. I mean, this isn't even scratching the surface with all the one another's that are in the Bible. But what if we were unified in pursuing God together and these like, this would describe us that we are a people who serve one another. We are a people who honor one another. We are a people who forgive one another. We'll talk about that later in the teaching series. But I, you know, as I was preparing for this message, I found some really cool quotes that I think fall in line with this idea of pursuing God with others. Whoops. Whoa, what's going on? Here we go. So Joni Erika Santata said, believers are never told to become one we already are one and are expected to act like it. I think for some of us, we just gotta turn the lights on and realize that we are one body here. We just have to be aware of it. But here's the thing, like we also have to kind of check our hearts and our minds too when we look at other people who are different than us. We have to be careful on how we judge other people Pastor Craig Rochelle says, we judge others by their actions while judging ourselves by our intentions. All right, maybe I was the only one that was convicted by that and that's the reason why I put that in there. I just found that so true for me. I can look at a, another person who looks different, speaks different, acts differently, dresses differently, and I can see like, why are they doing this? And I have no idea what their intentions are. I have no idea the hurts and the hangups this person has gone through. But I judge them by my good intentions because my intentions are amazing. It's just, it's super convicting, is it not? See, it's difficult for us to seek unity and to pursue God if we're not looking at the same blueprint. God's word is the foundation of pursuing God. It is our blueprint. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple of Jesus, you've put your faith, your trust, you're surrendering, you're trying to make your life look more and more like him. God's word, that is the blueprint for us pursuing him. We see example after example after example through his word. But it's challenging. Apostle Paul, he was persecuting the church, had this crazy encounter with Jesus 
And then because of that encounter that he had with Jesus, he started planting churches all over the place. And he, and he wrote to one of these churches in the book of Romans. And it says, if possible, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And that includes the people you disagree with. I mean, apparently there's an election coming in this fall. That's not divisive at all, right? If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Keep that in mind here in a few months. Especially when you start seeing everybody's opinions posted in their front yards. What does it look like? And like, we put some sort of effort through the power of the Holy Spirit to be at peace with others, especially the challenging ones in our life. The Apostle Peter first-hand witness of Jesus and everything that he did and how he lived his life, he wrote these words. He says, finally, all of you, be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult. Man, you, you hurt me. I just want to verbally tongue lash you and put you down into the dirt. But Peter says, no, we're not insulting with insult, but on the contrary, given a blessing since you were called for this so that you may inherit a blessing. I'm just challenged by these words. So for my, my black and white thinkers, the ones that like, hey, show me where the tire actually touches the road. How do I pursue God with other people? Here's just, here's just a few examples. Like literally sharing a meal with one another. It doesn't need to be a fancy meal. You don't have to be a, a three-star Michelin restaurant. It, it doesn't have to be. You have to eat. I have to eat. We all have to eat. What does it look like to just sit down at a table and just have a conversation? What does it look like to, to just show up at the ER when a loved one has an accident or something? Hey. <laughs> I, I've had friends come to my house and, and be with my one daughter while we had to take the other daughter to the ER. Working out together. Now, I know it's hard for you to observe that with me right now. But I do work out. I love working out. It's fun. In fact, two of the dudes that I work out with, they were sitting right over there during first service. And, and I, it's not like we're doing some Bible study. I'm just trying to breathe. <laughs> I just want to be clear with that. Like, don't church it up in your mind of pursuing God at the, the box, right? Like, I, I'm thankful that they play the music really loud because it sounds really bad. <laughs> but there's these little moments like, man, I see God doing this in my life. You come together, you pitch some money in, you know, to help a family that's in need. Cleaning a friend's house after the death of a family. I mean, our church family, we've experienced a lot of loss here in the last six months. I mean, what does it look like to just pursue God? I'm gonna not think about me, but I'm gonna think about this other family and I'm gonna serve them. What does that look like? And literally studying, discussing the Bible, getting into life groups, getting to D groups, getting into midweek classes, coming to the events that we host. We do that as a way to pursue God with other people. One thing that I love uh, about the staff serving with these guys is 
Uh, a lot of our, our children are in different sports and we just show up to the different sporting events. It's awesome. And some of the conversations that happen in the bleachers. I mean, come on. Who doesn't love to laugh so hard that you cry? I get laughing so hard I start coughing and hacking up a lung. It's so bad. And then I start laughing again. It's, it's like, I love those moments. Not when I'm hacking up the lung part, but the laughing part. <laughs> Friends that offer hugs. We can pursue God. We know that he's in this moment as we embrace a loved one. And not just keeping it surface level. That we do challenge each other with hard questions. Because let's just be honest. Let's just be real and transparent and authentic. We all got problems. There's not a single person in this space or in the whole internet right now that has their entire life put together 100%. We all have issues. We all have problems that we're working through. In fact, Stephen Blandino puts it perfectly. He says, people are messed up. I'm messed up. You're messed up. We all have problems. If you don't think you have a problem, that's the problem. (laughs) That that might have been for someone. I don't know. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Let's be a people who are being real and authentic. We don't have to have this facade that everything is perfect and it's awesome and it's glamorous. Let's be real and authentic people. But here's the question. Do we have a desire to actually pursue God, especially when things are challenging? Like when when we're talking about being real and authentic and dealing with these situations and the challenges, are we willing to pursue God in those areas? Back to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter three. The author says, watch out brothers and sisters, that's you, me, so that there won't be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. What does it look like for us to encourage each other, not just one day of the week, but daily? And here's the thing. Here's what's convicting about this verse, at least in my own life, is when I withdraw, when I withdraw out of biblical community where I stop pursuing God with other people, my heart does get hard. I don't want to receive what they might have to share. I don't wanna hear the encouragement. I don't wanna hear the provoking one another in love. So what does it look like for us to not get a calloused heart that's hard and that we're just gonna be real and authentic with one another? Let's be a people who live in pursuit of holiness in transparency with other people. Let's be a people that actually do that. Let's not just hear it. I think at this point, you've heard enough that we should be pursuing. And I think most of you, you know how to pursue God with other people. It might be a new and foreign thing. It might be just completely out of your comfort zone. So 
Why should we pursue God together? Because we're gonna learn from one another. Your family grew up a certain way where like it's okay to, to have breakfast for dinner. In some other family, they're like, that's so weird that you're eating breakfast for dinner. I'm, I mean, I'm judging that family who says that personally. But we just, we grew up with different backgrounds. And then when we actually get around a table and we see how people speak to one another, how we, we speak to our spouse, how we speak to our children, it's like, whoa, I really see the fruit in this person's life. And, it, and there's wisdom, I think, in how they're treating one another. I've never seen that before. I've never seen that modeled before. What would it look like for us to put ourselves in these environments to pursue God with one another because we're gonna learn from one another. It's gonna be iron sharpening iron. We're gonna encourage one another. We're gonna love one another. We're gonna serve one another. We're gonna forgive one another because it's gonna be hard. I think there's great wisdom in putting ourselves here. In fact, Proverbs writes it like this. They said, when arrogance comes, disgrace follows, but with humility comes wisdom. What if we were actually humble enough to pursue God with other people? We must be a people that have a heart of humility to learn from others. We can't be arrogant and just say, I got it all together. I have nothing to learn from this person especially if they talk differently, dress differently, look differently. What does it look like for us to actually humble ourselves and say, I wonder what I can learn from this person. Worship team, you can make your way up. I was so blessed to be a part of the mission trip this last summer that went to Philadelphia. And there was a gentleman named Rob who shared with us um, this beautiful word picture of... Uh, apparently he can play the piano, uh, but not very well. But he used the idea that if you were to put Mozart music in front of him and for him to play it, it, it wouldn't be very good. Like if you were to put Mozart music in front of me, I wouldn't even know what the first note is. I have zero music ability. But he asked the question, like, if he played it bad, would you, would you say that Mozart did a really bad job with that? No, like... Just because he played a note wrong doesn't make the music bad. Pursuing God with other people, sometimes they play the notes wrong. The music's good. The music's really good. God wrote it. It's part of his plan. And sometimes us humans play the notes wrong. So what would it look like for us to be a people who pursue God with other people because we can learn from one another and for one, our discipleship isn't all about us. We want to seek God, yes, but we also want to love our neighbors really well where we work, live, and play. And here's something that I've learned up to this point. I can read a thousand Bible verses and memorize all the scripture I want and watch a bazillion sermons online. That, that means nothing unless I'm actually loving other people. I can gain all the head knowledge about it, but until I actually go out and do it, that's something else.
Here's the other thing that I've learned. I can't do it in my own strength because I do get hurt. Words do hurt me. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be spirit-led followers of Christ in order to pursue God with other people. So we're gonna sing the song, Fresh Wind. And maybe you just need God to blow some fresh wind. There's some dust and debris in your life. You got dust bunnies in the corner. God, I need you to come in and blow all that out because I cannot do this on my own. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out theradiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.